0: I'm Maureen, a former kindergarten teacher turned mom on the road, and this is... I You're listening to Readers on the Road. Bert Dow, Deep Water Man, Bert Dow, deep water man by Robert McCloskey. Dow is an old deep water man, retired of course, but retired or not he still keeps two boats. One is a dory so old and so leaky that it can no longer be launched. Bert has painted it red and placed it on the little patch of lawn in front of his house overlooking the bay. He's rigged it like one of the many ships he's sailed to all the corners of all the seven seas. It's filled plumb to the gunnels with earth, and every summer, Bert plants it with geraniums and Indian peas. The geraniums brighten up the deck, and the Indian cl- peas climb the rigging and sway this away, that away, in smoky sou'wester The other boat is an old double-ender named Tidily Idly, with a make-and-break engine, This boat leaks too, except when it's pulled up on shore for caulking, patching, and painting, which is most of the time. She's a good boat, says Bert, patting her on the stern and giving her propeller an affectionate kick. She's got a few tender places in her planking, but you can't see daylight through her nowheres. The tidily idly is the pride and joy of Bert's life. And between odd jobs for natives and summer people, he keeps her painted and patched as best he can. Every summer, he does a paint job. He brings home the leftover paint, and he uses it on the tidily idly. That pink paint, he says, is the color of Ginny Poor's pantry, and the green one is the color of the floors and doors in Doc Walton's waiting room. And there's the tan porch and trim color from Captain Haskell's house. Bert Dow has a sister named Leela who keeps house for him, cooks the lobsters and fish he catches and the clams he digs. She feeds the cock, she feeds the hens, she tends the garden, and she helps Bert keep down the weeds in the dory full of geraniums and Indian peas. Leela is a very impatient person. Most impatient being on land or sea, says Bert as he hustles about doing this or that so as to not keep her waiting. Mornings, when the cock crows cockity-doodly, Leela is already down in the kitchen rattling her stove lids clinkity-clink and shouting, Hit the deck, Bert! Time to eat! And Bert, winking and blinking his eyelids, comes stumbling down the stairs to breakfast so as to not keep Leela waiting. Bert Dow has a giggling gull for a pet. Every morning, she roosts on the roof of the shed where Bert keeps his fishing gear. The gull giggles, tee-hee-hee-hee-hee, until Bert comes out and tosses her a pancake or a popover or sometimes a piece of cinnamon toast. When Bert Dow puts out to sea in the tidily idly, everybody in town knows it. They hear him pump out all of the water that has leaked in overnight. Slish-slush, slishk slush Then there is a pause while Bert checks the tenderest spot between the pink plank, the color of Ginny Poore's pantry, and the green plank, the color of the floor and doors in Doc Walton's waiting room. They hear him start the make-and-break engine, clackety-bang, clackety-bang, and they see him, firm hand on the tiller, giggling gull flying along behind, heading out of the cove and going clackety-bangety down the bay. One morning, the cock crowed, cockety-doodly, and Leela rattled her stove lids, clinkety-clink, shouting, Hit the deck, Bert! Time to eat! And Bert came downstairs, winking and blinking his sleepy eyelids, and ate his breakfast. He tossed the giggling gula pop over, tee hee 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 and went down to the cove to pump out the tidily idly slish Slish-ka-slush! Slish-ka-slush! He gently felt the tender spot between the pink plank, the color of Ginny Poor's pantry, and the green plank, the color of the floor and doors in Doc Walton's waiting room. Giggling gull, he said sadly. Twon't be long before the tidily idly gets planted with geraniums and Indian peas. Then he started the make and break clackety bang, clackety bang, and firm hand on the tiller, giggling gull flying along behind, he headed out of the cove, going clackety bangety down the bay to fish for cod. Bert kept studying the color of the sky, the color of the water, and the direction of the wind. An old deep-water man like me always keeps a weather eye out, says Bert. But he keeps two weather eyes out when he puts out to sea in a vessel as old and leaky as the tidily idly. Those Those are fish. It looked like a good day. So Bert took the tidily idly way, way out to the end of the bay and into the open sea. He shut off the make-and-break engine and let the boat drift on a gentle swell. Then he baited up his hook with clams and lowered it over the side to fish for cod. Bert didn't get any bites, not even a teeny-weeny nibble. So he cranked up the make-and-break and and moved the tidily idly to another spot but there were no fish there either. He didn't even pull up a pollock or a sculpin. There must be something down there frightening those fish, Bert confided to the giggling gull. Tee-hee-hee-hee-hee, the giggling gull agreed. Then Bert felt a substantial sort of tug on his line that almost, but not quite, pulled him over the side. Then Bert pulled... And then Bert tugged. He heaved and he tugged. He grunted and groaned until the tidily idly practically stood on end. But he couldn't haul in even a single inch of line. Must be caught on the bottom, said Bert. Tee-hee-hee-hee-hee. The giggling gull was much amused, and she teetered on the tip of the tiller to see what would happen next. Well, Bert, so it seemed, finally got his line uncaught from the bottom, and was hauling it in, in a moderate sort of way, not paying much attention to see if he needed more bait. The giggling gull was teetering to and fro on the tip of the tiller and tittering, now and then, in a nervous sort of way. She might have noticed something or other that for the particular moment hadn't come to Bert's attention, but in the very next moment it came to Bert's attention that he had pulled up a whale of a tail, or was it the other way around? The tail of a whale had pulled up Bert. Bert grabbed the pump handle and hung on while he swung around this away and that away. The giggling gull teetered on the tip of the tiller and laughed fit to split. Bert finally slacked up on the line, or was it the other way around? Finally, the tail slacked up on the line. But then the tail began to thrash about this away, that away in such a manner to call Bert's attention to the fact that there was a whale on the other end of it. Ahoy there, whale! Bellowed Bert. Hold your horses. Keep your shirt on. Head into the wind and slack off the main sheet. The whale couldn't hear because his hearing gear was so far upwind from his steering gear. "'that he had come afoul of Bert's cod-hook. "'Ahoy there, you giggling gull!' shouted Bert. "'Fly away down there and tell this whale "'that this vessel has a couple of tender places in her planking. "'He's about to stave us in and send the tidily idly "'and all the hands straight to Davy Jones' locker.' "'The barb of Bert's cod-hook was barely caught in the blubber of the tail,' And since it didn't hurt, the whale quieted down and allowed Bert to haul in his codline cautiously so he could remove the hook. When the tail came within reach, Bert had his pliers ready. Working ever so carefully so as to not tickle, he snipped off the barb and eased out the hook. There, now, said Bert, only a little bit of a hole, and I've got just the thing for that. He reached down in the bottom of his tool kit and brought out a box of Band-Aids Doc Walton had given him, just in case a lobster ever took a nip out of a finger. They were decorated with peppermint stripes, and fortunately, they were the kind that stick to anything, even whale's tails. There now, Captain Whale, said Bert proudly. I'll wager your rudder won't leak out any blubber or take aboard any water and get waterlogged now. But just then... (sighs) A smack! A whopping big wave caught the tidily idly in a very embarrassing position and jolted her to the bottom of her keel all the way from prow to propeller. Bert had forgotten to keep his weather eyes out, what with getting this poor whale out of all the trouble he was in and hadn't noticed that it was beginning to blow. Tip of his tail snagged on a cod hook, all his blubber about to dribble through the hole. Bert started to the make and break engine and managed to head the tidily idly into the wind, but he knew he'd never make it home. However, he did make it to the leeward side of the whale, and with a firm hand on the tiller, giggling Gull flying along behind, headed Chuckity Bangity up to the bow of the whale to have a face-to-face talk. It's blowing a gale of a wind, whale! Bert bellowed, coming right to the point. And one good turn deserves another. The tidily idly's taking aboard water between those two tender planks. I'm a pumpin' just as fast as I can pump, but the water's above the floorboards and bout to stall the make and break. I'm afeard this vessel and all hands aboard are headed for Davy Jones locker. No doubt the tidily idly tastes terrible, Bert went on, still coming right to the point. And her barnacled bottom would smart your tongue, well. The make-and-break would taste bitter as bile, and me, an old deep-water man in oilskins and boots, along with his giggling gull, would make a gosh-awful trimmings for any meal. But, pleaded Bert, couldn't you just sort of swallow us? Temporary, of course. Would this gale of a wind blows itself out? The whale gave a little snort and didn't say anything. Apparently, this was a whale of few words. He just opened his mouth wide and, uh, in the classic tradition, Bert set the throttle of the make and break at wide open and chuck it a bang, chuck it a bang. Firm hand on the tiller, giggling gull flying along behind, guided the tidily idly into the whale mouth and navigated the length of the gullet and into the whale's tummy without so much as touching a tonsil on the way down. Well, said Bert, I naturally expected it to be dark inside a whale's tummy, but I didn't expect it to be as dark as this. A few portholes for light and ventilation would improve the design of this animal. This idea struck the giggling gull as funny, and she started giggling again. Bert was bending over and bumbling about in the dark, trying to find his lantern. He bumped his head at the make and break and yelled, my way, you chuckety bangified batch of old iron, this made the giggling gull laugh, fit to split, gull said, Bert test Bert testily, some day, I'll gaggle you. I never realized until now how limited your vocabulary is. You'd be a poor companion to be shipwrecked on a sunny desert island with, and you're even worse in a dry dock and and down in this gloomy, dark, damp tummy of a whale. If I had my choice, I'd take a dictionary every time. Bert had found the lantern and was feeling around, trying to find a dry spot on which to strike a match, when he had a very disquieting thought. Supposing this whale didn't hear every word I said out there in that gale of a wind, he asked. What if he doesn't understand the English language, red letter perfect? Or maybe that he's absent-minded? He might not know or remember that we're supposed to be temporary guests, so to speak. "'Yep!' giggling Goldbert continued. "'We'll have to make sure we get ourselves unswallowed.' He finally struck a match. He used the seat of his pants. "'Well,' he said as the lights flared up. "'I naturally expected pink would be the color of this whale's tummy.' But I wasn't prepared for a pink identical with a pink in Ginny Poore's pantry. Yep, like a big pink cave, that's what it is. Bert checked over his boat and found that the spot where the wave had slapped the tidily idly on her tender bottom would need considerable caulking, patching, and painting. In fact, the water that was only moments before had leaked in from the ocean into the tidily idly was now leaking the other way around, out of the tidily idly and onto the pink deck of the whale's dummy. After Bert finished his caulking, patching, and painting, he said, Ain't perfect, but you'll hold until we get home, I hope. Giggling gull, we have to get busy. Leela's back home, rattling her stove lids and getting impatient over our not being home in time to eat. First of all, Bert tugged and shoved until he got... The tidily idly turned about so that her bow was pointed in the right direction. Then he systematically set about trying to give the whale an upset tummy. Whales has got strong stomachs, Bert explained to the giggling gull, and it takes more than a mixture of ketchup and ice cream, pickles and peppermint, mint pie and mustard to call their attention to the fact that their tummy's upset. He began pumping out the tidily idly to the very bottom of the bilge. In an old boat, that always produces a lot of interesting things, such as old crab claws, clams, bait, rusty fish hooks, a can opener, corroded pieces of brass, all mixed in with a nice big helping of sediment. Bert started scooping up the sediment on the end of a piece of shingle and began flipping a little glob here, a little glob there, making big splatter spots on the lining of the tummy. The tummy began to quiver like a horse's flanks, flicking off flies. Then Bert opened a leftover gallon of yellow deck paint and started sloshing it around, dribbling a little bit here, a little bit there. He was beginning to enjoy himself probably because it was the first time he'd ever had a chance to really express his personality in paint. Next, he took a can of cup grease and, with a shingle, started splattering a few accents here and there. By now, the whale's tummy was all a quiver. It disturbed Bert's aim a bit, and he misplaced a few blobs of cup grease. Well, the tummy began to make rumbling noises, and flip a lot this away, flip a lot that away. And Bert knew right off that it would take only the littlest touch to make the tummy break loose from its moorings and get upset. And quick as he could, he jumped into the tidy idly and started the make and break. Chuckety bang, chuckety bang. Giggling gull, he shouted. Wiggle your wings and fly up into the forward hatchway and tickle this whale's throat with a feather. Of course, the exhaust and jiggling of the make-and-break helped, but it was the tickle that turned the trick. With the dark, damp rumble, darkest, dampest rumble ever heard, the big tummy flipped this away and that away, and then, with a wail of a burp, boat and Bert, firm hand on the tiller, giggling gull flying along behind, make-and-break going wide open, came clackety-bangety out of the wide-open mouth of the whale, going so fast that they barely touched the tops of the first two waves, and they landed right dab smack in the middle of a whole school of whales. Whoa. Bert eased up on the throttle of the make-and-break and and tried to steer a snug course between two whales' tails, one the color of Ginny Poore's pantry and the other the color of the floors and doors in Doc Walton's waiting room but the way was blocked by a whale tail the color of the porch and trim of Captain Haskell's house. Every time Bert shifted course, there seemed to be more whale's tails in the way. Finally, Bert stopped the make and break and let the tidily idly drift among the whale's tails while he decided what to do next. He bobbed around in his boat, studying the situation. Then he took out his glass and studied some more. Then he said, finally, "'Well, that's a whale of a lot of whale's tails,' making for what amounted to be a classic understatement. "'You can hardly see the forest for the trees,' Bert complained, "'or the whales for the tails.' "'There must be some reason,' thought Bert, "'why all this school of whales are waving their tails toward the tidily idly.' "'All except one,' he added." peeping through his glass at the pale whale that looked exactly though it had an upset tummy from a bit of bilge water cup grease deck paint and having its throat tickled by a feather. Yep, that whale looks a bit under the weather, but she also looks contented. But meanwhile, the rest of the school of whales seemed to be getting impatient. They twitched the tips of their tails and whacked them down on the water. "'Carefully,' bellowed Bert. "'The tidily idly's got a tender spot, and you're apt to spring a seam. "'If first you don't swat us like a fly, "'which is no fit for an old deep-water man in his vessel to go to Davy Jones. "'What with the tidily idly's regular leaks "'and all the water being splashed aboard by impatient whale's tails?' Bert had to keep pumping, slish-ka-slosh, slish-ka-slosh, and he didn't have much time to wonder what made one whale contented and what made all the rest of the school so slap-happy with their tails. Stronger and younger men might have given up, but not our deep-water man, Bert Dow. He kept right on pumping with one hand, slish-ka-slosh, slish-ka-slosh, while he poked around in his toolbox with the other. Still pumping, slish-ka-slosh, slish-ka-slosh, he pulled out a Band-Aid, unfurled it from its wrappings between his teeth, and slapped it onto the tip of the nearest whale tail. Bert knew right off that his troubles were over. The whales were only impatient at my taking so long to understand them, Bert explained to the giggling gull. Whales is really very patient about standing or swimming in line to have the tips of their tails decked out with a band-aid. After all the whales had been decorated, each with a peppermint-striped band-aid, the entire school swam, tails held high in a tremendous circle around the tidally idly. An old deep-water man like Bert couldn't resist shouting, There she blows! in the best classic tradition. Then, all together, one, two, three, the school of whales blew three big blows for Bert Dow and swam off over the horizon. I never did see it, said Bert. So many tons of contentment come from such a little old Band-Aid box. He still had one Band-Aid left, and he knew he'd never need it himself. Never was a lobster hatched or catched as it could ever clamp a claw on Bert Dow. A Band-Aid. So, just as a joke, he said, Giggling Gull, let's take this last Band-Aid home to Leela. tee hee giggled the Gull, because she always th- was the one who enjoyed Bert's little jokes. And we better take it right now, said Bert, so as to not keep her waiting. Mm. But then he noticed that the water was up over the floorboards, so he started pumping again. slish ka slish ka then he cranked the make and, break, make and break, and clackety bang, clackety bang. And with a firm hand on the tiller, giggling gull flying along behind, he headed the tidily idly back up to the bay. They made it home just as the cock began to crow. The end. <laughs>